Rich and Steve on Arizona Sports Saturday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Happy Saturday, everybody. This is Arizona Sports Saturday. It's your weekend stop for live and local sports talk. He's Steve Zinsmeister. I'm Mitch Vareldis. And the snakes are alive. Snakes alive, baby. Snakes alive. Snakes alive. Trevor's got his sign. Steve's got his sign. I've got my sign. Snakes alive. We've got our eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper with snakes alive that is not centered at all. I think it is aerial font, by the way. When I was doing the... The most basic of fonts. I was doing the troubleshooting. It looks more aerial than it does Calibri, but... Okay, we're getting semantical about it now. This is what happens when uh, below average guys get a hold of work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just, when you, honey, I need to make something for today's game. What should I do? When you go to the, uh, what is it, like the FedEx or like the, does Kinko's still exist? You go to Kinko's and you're like, I need oh a sign gosh. for tonight's game. And they're like, what do you want to put on it? Like, I, I don't know. They're the Diamondbacks. Uh, snakes. Something with snakes. Snakes alive. Something snakes. Okay, how much money do you have? I have 50 cents. Well, here's a sheet of paper with aerial font on it. Can we get it centered? Nope, sir, you can't afford that. Okay, well, here we go. Let's do it. We just got reporting that uh, tonight the Diamondbacks have announced Game 5 is sold out awesome. at Chase Field. Awesome. That's excellent news. I found tickets on the secondary market for like $87. Which is not cheap. I totally get that. But if you are still looking to go to the game tonight, it's sold out. Look, it just means that Philly fans that are still in Pennsylvania can't afford to just buy tickets tonight. So that's cool. By the way, also being reported, uh, the roof will be closed again tonight. I think it was supposed to be open originally. Um, and it looks like, I don't know, maybe it's superstition. Maybe it's just they like what they saw over the last couple of well, days. It's also 100 degrees out still. It was really hot yesterday. We're halfway, more than halfway through the month of October, and it's already, it's still 100 degrees. Hey, don't fix what ain't broke, man. <laughs> I tell you and what. I'm not talking about the roof. I'm talking about, you know, the game plan and all I that. tell you what. If we were talking about it two games ago, we would be talking about a lot that it's broken with the Diamondbacks. But guess what? We ain't talking about what's broken with the Diamondbacks anymore. The 2-2 pitch on the way. He got him swinging. Sewell strikes out Turner, and the Arizona Diamondbacks have come back and won this ball game 6-5. They have even this best-of-seven series at two games apiece, winning back-to-back home games. And what a dramatic win this was tonight. And what a run in a final season for the Gubna, by the way, to quick tangent. Greg yeah. Schulte, in his final season calling Diamondbacks games, I don't think even he could have predicted they had gotten this far at this point. He's hoping to be employed well into November this year. That would be pretty good. That would be pretty great of a send-off. Uh, yeah, where do you start with this one, right? Uh, you could talk about the guy that we just heard in that clip. You could you could talk about Paul Sewald and having to lock down the ninth inning after the go-ahead run was scored in the eighth on a Gabriel Moreno hit and Cattell Marte scored. You could talk about either of those guys, huge contributions. You've got the home run that Alec Thomas hit, the two-run shot into the pool area, which seems to feel symbolic. I mean, that pool, here's the thing about the pool. We heard Torrey talking uh, after the game yesterday about how Garrett Stubbs, the backup catcher for the Phillies, had said, you know, that they wanted to celebrate in the Diamondbacks pool. It has become a thing in Major League Baseball that other teams want to clinch whether it's a series like a playoff spot or a wild card or they want to clinch a division or whatever, they want to do it here because of the pool. 
It's like this cool thing around the league that they want to do it in another person's ballpark. It's apparently, the Dodgers did it the one time, but then they peed in the pool, and now everybody wants to be a part of the uh, the the piss pool party, I guess. And I now, know. now I, I don't know if this is good or bad, but I love it. Um, the Diamondbacks as a team are kind of feeling this sense of urgency to not allow that to happen. They're being externally motivated by the pool situation, which seems kind of trivial. But at the same time, it's their pool. They want to celebrate the pool. They don't want somebody else doing it. This team is extremely motivated. Um, I know that guys are going to step on it, stand on it, find a way to get it done. You know, there's, there's. I think they take things personal. They got a chip on their shoulder. Um, I know their backup catcher made a statement about sprinting towards a pool or making a beeline to the pool. So um, I think they're wearing that a little bit, and they're motivated by that externally, and they're motivated to be as good as they possibly can internally. And even think back to Gallon after Game Three against the Dodgers when they won and they clinched, and he had mentioned that I heard some talk that they were going to clinch here and celebrate clinching here. That's our pool. The pool has become the symbolic factor of this team of, hey, you don't get to celebrate in there. We get to celebrate in there. It's ours. Protect the pool. It belongs to us. Snakes alive, protect the pool. Listen, it's a little bit of a goofy motivational thing, but whatever it takes, whatever it takes to get your team up, I mean, that's fine with me. And now that they've won two games at home and we go into game five tonight at Chase Field, the Phillies will not be clinching this division. Nope. Or, uh, this uh, series, excuse me, in the Diamondbacks pool. It won't happen. So if that's what it took to win the last two games, fine. I'm I'm all good with that. It's a little bit <laughs> off the wall. I, it's not the most serious of things, but if this if this Diamondbacks team is motivated by protecting their their pool and their ballpark, love it. Love every second of it. All right, let's break down who probably stands out as the hero of last night, Steve, and that's Alec Thomas being asked. To come in off the bench, down two runs, and you're being asked to face maybe a first ballot Hall of Famer, certainly a career great closer in Craig Kimbrell, who's on the back end of his career. And you know what? It started to show itself last night. And Alec Thomas delivered in the biggest moment of this series to this point. Alec Thomas is the hero of last night. Alec Thomas also played a pivotal role in game three as the pinch runner that became the tying run in what eventually led to a Game 3 win. Alec Thomas, for a guy that was expected to be a regular starter at the beginning of this season, then gets sent down a month later because of struggles, then comes back and is just torrid after his return from AAA, and then starts to bottom out again. This is a great moment for Alec, and just a good reminder of... The fact that he belongs here. He's accepted at this level. Yeah, gets sent down early in the season to the minors, and a couple of guys had that opportunity, and he really figured a few things out. Now, offensively, he's still got a lot of growing to do as a player. Uh, I know that he has five hits in this postseason. It's not a lot, but three of them went over the wall. So those are certainly big, big hits. You take a look at the at-bat, too, that he had in the eighth inning yesterday. He comes in off the bench cold. And works himself to a a 2-0 count. He gets curveballs on the first two pitches from Craig Kimbrell. The third pitch is a fastball low and away. He fouls it off. The next one is low and away fastball. Almost the exact same pitch, but it misses the zone. The fifth pitch is the same pitch again. So he got three outside fastballs in a row, basically in the same spot. He fouled two of them off. Then 
Craig Kimbrell decides to go inside on the fastball. Fourth fastball in a row that Alec Thomas gets, but this time it's on the inside part of the plate. And you know the leg kick, you know you know the swing style that Alec Thomas has. He can be a bit of a pole hitter. And Alec Thomas gets around quick enough on this fastball. He's now timed it up because it's the fourth one he's seen in a row. Mm-hmm. And that's the one that he hits out of the ballpark. It's really something, man. It's really something. Here's Alec last night just talking about the season from start to finish at this point. It's been crazy. Uh, definitely you know, a roller coaster you know, of a season for me. Um, yeah, I mean... I was sent down and um, definitely had to work on some things and you know, change some things. And then I, I came back up and seemed to work out and then uh, kind of slipped into that funk again. But, um, you know, none of that matters. You know, at the end of the day, like you still got to, you know, show up to work and, and, you know, put your put, you know, your best foot forward. And, um, yeah, it, just a lot of hard work, definitely. And said last night, the home run, that's something that you dream about as a kid. That play um, is definitely something that you uh, you see in your dreams. And, uh, you know, to, for it to come, you know, in, in real life and, and for it to happen, you know, to me um, is just, just awesome. And, um, you know, I'm so grateful, you know, to have that moment. And, um, you know, it's just, just unreal. It's just crazy, honestly. I haven't really processed it yet. But, uh, you know, it was, it was awesome. Another thing about this team that I think we've noticed as this postseason has gone on, it feels like it's somebody different every single night. Yeah, like you're the, not just getting contributions from, like, your two best players. Right. So, to clarify, there is consistency, obviously. We've talked a lot about the four guys at the back end of the bullpen being as consistent as they have been. We talked about Brandon Fott and how great of three starts that he's had so far this postseason Tell Marte has got a hit in every single postseason game in his career. But it feels like every night it's somebody else being the key contributor. Last night it was Alec Thomas, and then the other night it was Cattell Marte. Like it's somebody new Haven every Smith single too? night. Yeah. Haven Smith having three hits in his first three postseason at bats. That's absurd. It's pretty remarkable. Big addition to the lineup. I think you probably got to try to find a way to get him in tonight. Uh, that's the other thing is. You know, and we'll talk more about Game 5 here in the next segment, but I think there's a couple of changes that you could probably make tonight that are small tweaks to your lineup that can help you win the ball game um, because you did kind of get blown out by Zach Wheeler last time around. But yeah, you're right. You're getting contributions from all over the place. Gabby Moreno has been a really great offensive catcher in the postseason, and he's playing every day, by the way. I yep. mean, we talked about all season long. He spent a little bit of time injured in the second half, but... For the most part, Gabby Moreno was one of the best well-rounded catchers in baseball this year. Certainly one of the best defensive catchers. He's up for a gold glove this year. Yep. And offensively speaking, he's a 270-280 hitter, which is pretty rare at the catcher position. And he's not a 20-25 homer guy. He hit seven this year, but he's a line drive hitter. Like, he's a very good hitter. He's just not the mold of, like, you know, Mike Piazza or, or Johnny Bench or anything like that. He's he's just different. There's nobody really like him in the league right now. And I, that trade that they made in the offseason to get Gabby Moreno and, oh, by the way, you get Lourdes Gurriel, who's not only an all-star in the first half of this season, but he's made major contributions, couple big hits in Game 3. And Lourdes Gurriel defensively, yesterday he made that really awesome play in the second inning 
uh, leaping at the wall. Uh, it didn't look like the ball was going to leave the yard necessarily, but that's not an easy catch to make. No. He catches a really hard line drive later in the game, makes a throw to the plate, and it was close but didn't quite get the runner. He's a good defensive player too, and so that trade just worked out magically for the Arizona Diamondbacks. And, of course, a lot of credit goes to Mike Hazen in that regard as well. Um, Absolutely. Really quickly before we get out of here, because you mentioned Lourdes' defense, I have to gripe for like five seconds. Sure. Because I know you mentioned it last night, but I looked into it again. Lourdes Gurriel Jr. this past season in 778 innings played in left field has 14 defensive runs saved. That's the most of an, among all left fielders in the National League this past year. Not nominated for a gold glove. Not nominated for a gold glove. I wonder how much of that is because Corbin Carroll played left field for a good chunk of the season. I think well, I mean, Carroll had like 74 games. I mean, the outfield we field. expected day one was Carroll Thomas McCarthy. McCarthy couldn't stay consistent. Couldn't, Thomas couldn't yeah. stay consistent. And then you're asking Gurriel to go out there and play a position when he was supposed to be the DH. Mostly, yeah. And then after you acquired Tommy Pham, Tommy kind of took the DH spot, and he's still dealing with the turf toe injury a little bit. Pavin did a lot of DHing in the middle of the year. Yeah. Yeah, Cor- uh, uh, Gurriel really impressed me defensively, and we knew he wasn't a bad outfielder. He's just he's not a speedster like these other guys you talked about in the outfield. Um, I don't think he gets enough credit for the arm that he has. I mean, those defensive run saves, a lot of that is because of his arm. Right. And his smarts out there in left field. And so, yeah, you're right. I, I much would have preferred. Actually, I would have put both Gurriel and Corbin up for the left field gold glove ahead of some of the other guys that were on that list. Ian Happ was on the list. He's okay. David Peralta. David Peralta again? Really? I mean, did he even play that much this year? That's what I wonder. Like, did he really get more innings in left field than Lourdes Gurriel? <sighs> Or griping. Anyway, snakes alive. That's the mantra today, Steve. That's the mantra all day here on Arizona Sports Saturday. That's my show sheet. That's snakes literally alive. the whole plan it's today. It's literally our whole show sheet. <laughs> all right, this series is now best of three. And do the Diamondbacks have the advantage? We'll talk about game five next here on Arizona Sports Saturday. Mitch and Steve on Arizona Sports Saturday. First of all, I couldn't think of a better a better starting pitcher to have tomorrow, knowing that um, Zach is going to be walking in here and he's going to give us as many pitches as he possibly can. Um, and then, you know, back of that, we're going to piece together the bullpen the best way we know how. Um, I'll tell you right now, there's it's a three-game series and, and everybody's going to be available tomorrow. I think, like I said, um, if you want it bad enough, you're never tired. Diamondbacks manager Tori Lovello after the game last night, after the win that tied the series at 2-2. Two to two. You've got a Game 5 tonight at Chase Field that we now know is sold out. You could probably find some tickets on the secondary market, but they ain't going to be cheap this time. And you've got a sold-out Game 5 with your ace on the mound tonight. Zach Gallen versus Zach Wheeler. It's the matchup we got in Game 1 in Philadelphia. We it's know how that went. It's a great pitching matchup. Oh, it's fantastic. It might be one of the best in all of the playoffs this season. It's the guy who finished runner-up to Cy Young last year, followed it up with another fantastic regular season, and the guy that for the longest time was the Cy Young favorite this year, started the All-Star game, fell off towards the end, but he's still very much the ace of this baseball team. Gallon Gallon might be the Cy Young winner if if you just looked at his home stats this year. Because he's been two different pitchers, home and away. And most guys are. I want to get that straight, too. Like, the expectation is that most pitchers are better at home. Yes. Because the whole crowd, the 50,000 people, are cheering for you, not against you. Um, But 
it's been a bit of a drastic difference. So on the road, his ERA is two full runs higher than at home. That's a little unusual. Uh, he's got a four and a half ERA on the road, two and a half at home. His whip is about mm, 18 points higher, 17 points higher on the road than it is at home. His strikeout per nine is much higher at home than on the road. So if you want a, a good takeaway from all of this, you're going into a home game in game five with your ace who just is another animal at home than he is on the road. And he was not that impressive on the road in game one. So you're hoping that you get the complete opposite tonight. And now you've got your crowd behind you too. And I know you've just talked about home, but how many times did Zach Allen pitch at home with a crowd like this that he's going to experience tonight? Maybe never. Exactly. Now you've really got full reinforcement behind you. And we talked about it last night about how the fans can really make an impact in this one, much like how Phillies fans made an impact in games one and two. Like, can you as a fan back your guy so early that it gets in the other pitcher's head? Can you back your team and your offense so early that their pitcher struggles the way Gallon did in game one of this series? Because you as a fan have that impact. You and 50,000 of your closest friends have a chance to impact it that way tonight. I'm not saying that it's going to work necessarily, but you don't know until you try. And if you want Zach Allen to really get the most out of this Arizona fan base, they're going to bring it tonight. And I think they will. The other thing that you heard from Tori in that soundbite was talking about the bullpen usage. Yeah. And it's interesting to hear him say that everyone's available tomorrow because they did just come off of a game four that was a bullpen game. They threw eight different pitchers to get through the nine innings. So did the Phillies, by the way, but mm-hmm. we're not talking about that as much. So right now, uh, maybe we can talk about well, that here in a well, second. Hold on, because it's kind of the same process for both teams, right? They're both a little depleted. They used eight pitchers yesterday, each of them. And a lot of the guys that were used were very much high-leverage pitchers. These two games at Chase Field have very much required some high-leverage pitching situations because they've been a lot closer games than Game 2, for example. Game 1 was a little bit closer, but it was very heavily favored towards the Phillies for a majority of the game. Dimebacks really didn't try and get into it until much later. Whereas these two games have very much required the best of the best when it comes to the pitching staffs. And you got to hope that they're not tired. Andrew Saul Frank has now pitched in three straight games. You got to hope that he's not tired because he may or may not be called upon again. Joe Mantiply started the game yesterday. He's very likely going to be called upon in a high leverage situation. Didn't succeed so well in the last high leverage situation he pitched in in game two. He's got to be better this time. In his three postseason starts, Zach Allen has gone six innings against Milwaukee, five and a third against L.A., and five against Philadelphia in game one. Now, he wasn't pitching well in that game, so maybe he would have gone deeper had he been uh, pitching better. But that's 100 pitches, 84 pitches, and 88. So I am expecting, this is my expectation tonight, that they're going to get at least five innings from Zach Gallen. Uh, He'll probably throw somewhere between 85, 95 pitches. That's my guess, somewhere in that range. And you're hoping that gets you through at least six, in in my opinion. You're expecting five, you're hoping for at least six, and then you can turn it over to the bullpen. And I know he pitched two innings last night, but I honestly, they're working Ryan Thompson this postseason. That might be a guy that you go to again, despite the fact that he threw two innings. He did give up the two hits. He did give up the two walks. Not his best outing, um, but that's another guy that they've turned to in the seventh consistently. You've still got Ginkle. He also pitched last night. You've still got Seawald, obviously. Um, so 
I don't know. You're right. That Usually the first guy out of the pen is a lefty, whether it's Mantiply or Saul Frank, depending on the matchups and the lineup and where the Phillies are at at that point. Um, so that may be subject to change, but they are hoping Gallon takes them as deep as he possibly can into this ball game, so that they don't have to rely too much on the bullpen, as good as they've been so far. I feel confident in this go around for Gallon, outside of just how he's performed at home, more so based off of how key hitters for Philadelphia have performed here. Kyle Schwarber, of course, hit another home run last night. I'm expecting him to still be a very much threatening presence at the plate. Trey Turner's had a couple of hits here. He's always a threat on the base paths when he gets there. I don't really remember anything that Bryce Harper has done this series offensively. I don't really remember anything Alec Bohm has done offensively this series. Specifically in these two games. Harper hit a homer in game one, Sorry, I should have clarified. Specifically in these two games here in Arizona. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't really have anything that stands out from Harper They've mitigated the damage, for sure. I don't know anything that stands out with Bohm in these two games. I don't know anything that has stood out with Castellanos in these two games. Like the guys that I'm trying to pinpoint of who, who's been the contributors, Brandon Marsh, Kyle Schwarber, Trey Turner, a Johan Rojas triple last night. Like the offense where you would expect it to come from, it hasn't come from them. And I think that might actually work to the Diamondbacks' advantage because if they hadn't been able to figure it out these first two games, now they get the ace on the mound, they might not be able to figure it out at all. The other thing about the Phillies, you talked about the bullpen. They're kind of in a similar situation. They used eight guys yesterday, too. So who's available in a Game 5 tonight? Craig Kimbrell, while you're right, he's probably a future Hall of Famer. Uh, He's certainly had a resurgence this season because he's had a couple of down years in a row. But they find themselves in a scenario where he's pitched the last two games and given up runs in both of the last three of the four. And the first game, it wasn't necessarily an easy outing for Kimbrell either. No. So the last two in particular, he gives up one run. Then last night he gives up three runs. And so you got to ask yourself, too, is he now the eighth inning guy as opposed to the ninth? Last night he pitched the eighth, not the ninth. They went to Alvarado in the ninth. And Alvarado gives up big hit, too. So, I don't know. They've got some question marks as well in their bullpen. And I I honestly, I don't know that they're going to have that all answered uh, heading into this game. All right, let's check in with our Arizona Diamondbacks insider. Alex Weiner is going to join us, help preview Game 5. It's a sellout tonight, and uh, 50,000 people will be rocking that building. We're going to talk more about Game 5 up next. Mitch Vareldis and Steve Zinsmeister with you on Arizona Sports Saturday. Mitch Vareldis, Steve Zinsmeister, Arizona Sports Saturday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. 3-2 pitch, coming. And a fly ball, deep right center field. He has done it. This game is tied on a pitch hit home run by Alec Thomas. Up Kimbrell in the eighth. 5-5 five, five game. The Game 4 hero, Alec Thomas. Greg Schulte on the call on the Diamondbacks Radio Network last night. You heard that right here on 98.7 FM, as well as on the Arizona Sports app. Mitch Farrell, the Steve Zinsmeister back here with you. And we go now to the Arizona Sports line where Alex Weiner, I don't know if he's at Chase. Well, I'll just ask him. Uh, Alex, are you at Chase Field right now getting ready for tonight's game? I'm heading out the door right now. So Tori Lavella will speak to us at 1230. So... Uh, yeah, I'll be at Chase within the half an hour. Okay, perfect. So you are about as restless as Steve and I then right now, right? <laughs> it's, it's October, man. We'll rest in November. 
<laughs> I yeah. love that. I, I love imagine that. Alex spends more time at the ballpark these days than he does at his house. So that's just a <laughs> that's guess. True. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I figured that, is, that has been that has been true the last few days. You've also <laughs> he's also been taking a lot of road trips, right? Like a lot of flights. He's been to Milwaukee. He's been to L.A. He's been to Philly. Alex has been a very very busy man, which is why it's perfect to follow him right now if you're not already on Twitter at Alex J Weiner, and you can find all of his great work that he does for us at ArizonaSports.com and on the Arizona Sports app. So let's start with last night real quick. Alec Thomas feels like the obvious pick as the hero of the night, but if you were to pick anybody else, who would you pick? The hero of the night? I mean, I mean, Gabriel Moreno ended up getting the game-winning hit uh, in the bottom of the eighth inning. He drove in the first run of the game, so he's an easy pick. But um, they got some pretty good stuff out of some of their relievers. I mean, not everybody. But when you're running a bullpen game, that's the risk you run is that not everybody's going to be, you know, 100%. But Joe Manaply, great start to the game, picks off Trey Turner, gets through the Schwarber-Harper gauntlet, um, you know, in the back end, guys. And a big deal with yesterday's game was just the D-backs back end relievers out executed uh, Philadelphia. So Ginkle and Seawald got the job done where Craig Kimbrell really struggled and Jose Alvarado ended up giving up the, the game winning hit to Moreno. So. Um, yeah, it was one of those team wins where it's not really one person, although, you know, Thomas Moreno ended up with the big hits. Since we're on the topic of the bullpen, two part question. Part one, would you, do you think Tory should have pulled Andrew Salfrank sooner because he was busy walking pretty much everybody? Uh, part two of this question is how does yesterday's usage of the bullpen impact today's availability for relievers? Yeah, so I guess, you know, that second part's the, the, the key question for today. Um, I mean, they're, they're going into today, at least outwardly saying that everyone's going to be available, but it's not just that it was yesterday, but you know, you're, you're looking at Ginkle and Seawald and Saul Frank and guys who have pitched, you know, on back-to-back days already uh, and put in some significant pitches. So uh, that's something to consider. On the other hand, they all got pretty good rest uh, from the end of the Dodgers series uh, until they came back to Chase Field to face the Phillies. So, um, that all plays into a factor as far as who would be available. I would imagine everybody still would be if they're in a safe situation and they need, you know, Ginkle in the eighth and Seawald in the ninth. But, um, and again, it also harps on how big of a deal today's game is as far as how the starting pitchers do with Zach Gallon versus Zach Wheeler. Because both teams, it's, it's not just the Diamondbacks problem, but it's, it's both teams having to deal with, you know, bullpens who have been taxed the last couple of nights and are leaning on the races to give them some depth. And as far as the soft right question, uh, yeah, I mean, once he lost Schwarber and you have Turner coming up, that's sort of like the natural break points. Like, okay, two of the next three hitters are righties. Maybe this is the time to go to Thompson. Tory after the game said he didn't. He thought that would put too much of a workload on Thompson based on the plan that they had mapped out. But ultimately, it didn't end up working. And, uh, you know, a bad bounce ended up costing them the lead for a bit there. So you mentioned that both aces are going tonight, so let's transition right into that. Steve and I have talked a lot already about how Gallon is, and it's, he's not the only one, uh, Gallon is very much a tale of two pitchers when it comes to pitching in Chase Field and pitching anywhere else this season. How much of an advantage is it in your perspective, because you've been watching this team all year long, how much of an advantage is it that Gallon gets the home field tonight as opposed to Wheeler? I mean, I think it's always nice to get your ace in front of the home crowd and just have him pitch in that kind of energy, totally different environment from what he saw in Philadelphia. Merrill Kelly will not be so lucky as he'll have to do it at Citizens Bank Park twice. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, you know, Gallon, I I know he's had some road struggles this year. His best start was also on the road against the Cubs and that shutout. 
he pitched very well against the Brewers on the road. He pitched well against the Dodgers on the road. So, yeah, there's, there's been a couple of clunkers there, and game one wasn't great just as far as he made a couple of mistakes and they pounced on it. But, but I do think it's always nice to pitch at home with that home crowd behind you, and um, he has been terrific at Chase Field throughout his career there. So, yeah, it'll be a little bit different. We're talking with our D-backs insider, Alex Weiner, here on the Arizona Sports Line. Uh, all right, Alex, so the other side of that great matchup tonight is Zach Wheeler, the two Zachs. So the Diamondbacks couldn't do much against him offensively in Game 1 in Philadelphia. What do you think, if anything, they could do to their lineup tonight to try to counter Zach Wheeler a little bit better? Are you working in a guy like Paven Smith, maybe? That's a good question. Yeah, that's definitely something to keep an eye on because Pavin has had some pretty good at-bats. I mean, he was three for three before uh, grounding out in the seventh inning of last night's game. And they've had some struggles from some of the right-handed bats in the middle of that lineup, like Evan Longoria or Tommy Pham. So um, that is a good question uh, as far as what Torrey is going to do tonight. I would, I, I, I don't really know. They haven't started Pavin in any of these games. I would imagine Alec Thomas is going to be back in the lineup uh, against a right-handed pitcher and starting in the center field. Um, so that'll take away kind of the right-handed heaviness of the batting order. I, I think the move to move up Gabriel Moreno from five to three has worked out wonderfully for them, um, putting him, getting him some big opportunities in these games, and he has delivered. Uh, he almost hit a home run in game three that bounced off of the wall yesterday, the two RBIs. So uh, I, I would anticipate that remains the same. But, yeah, it's a good question about Pavin specifically. Christian Walker has one hit in this series, and he had been so good for them offensively in the first game against Milwaukee and then even in a couple of games against the Dodgers. What is it, if anything, that you're noticing in this series that has led to the struggles that Christian has faced so far in this series? Yeah, that's one where I have to go back and look at the at-bats specifically. I mean, they've had a few guys who have really struggled to get going. I mean, Corbin Carroll has struggled to get going this series. Mentioned Pham, Longoria. I mean, um, it's been kind of a grind offensively for a few of their guys, and um, they've been able to, at least the last couple of games, get it done with some runners on base late, uh, which has helped them win these two. So, yeah, uh, I don't know. That's that's one where um, this is a good p- Phillies pitching staff, and Walker, you know, maybe they're jamming him up a little bit. He pieced up a ball yesterday uh, in the eighth inning, but it was ended up being a deep line out to Castellanos. Maybe that, changed, maybe that is a, a little bit of a spark plug for him to get him going because they could really use that thump in the middle of the lineup. Right. So how about a less minutia question then? If you're expecting one guy to have a necessary bounce back in this game five from the Diamondbacks lineup, is it him, Walker, or is it Corbin Carroll? Uh, let's go with Corbin Carroll just because he's had such a good postseason. Um, they've been working him up and in a lot uh, in this series, particularly yesterday he faced you know lefty after lefty. and um, so They've been giving him some tough battles this series for sure. And, you know, Wheeler, I think Wheeler broke his bat a couple of times in game one. But, um, you know, Corbin has adjusted to the league as the league has adjusted to him this season before. And he's somebody who has been so, you know, such a a staple for them to be able to get to this point. So it's hard to believe that he would go an entire series without um, having a huge offensive contribution. So. I think that's the easy pick. After yesterday, Kyle Schwarber now has the most home runs in MLB postseason history by a left-handed hitter. Where does he rank all time for you among postseason hitters? <laughs> I mean, it's a good question. I mean, he's been doing this for a long time. And it seems like in this postseason, every single thing he hits is just absolutely crushed. And that's kind of who he is. But it's just, it's a, it's a marvel to see up close because 
if you leave anything in the zone and he gets his bat on it, you just it's, it's a laser. And sometimes they're moonshots, and sometimes they're just hard liners that carry over the fence. So uh, he hit another home run yesterday. He had uh, three in the first two games of the series. So he has been scary for sure. Uh, as far as all-time playoff performances, man, you're throwing me on the spot on that one. I, I, I don't really know. <laughs> but as far as left-handed power, I mean, he's right up there as just in terms of production uh, for multiple teams now with the Cubs and now here with the Phillies. Uh, if you're the Phillies, you can't throw Craig Kimbrell tonight, right? I wouldn't think so. Um, he's, you know, losses in the last two games. The pitches have racked up a little bit. Um, but I don't know. It, it, again, it depends on what they can get out of Wheeler and how, you know, how the rest of the bullpen shakes out. Maybe you give Jeff Hoffman, who's looked really good, some more looks late in games at higher leverage situations. Um, you know, they've used Orion Kirkering the last couple of nights, and he has had his stumbles too. So as far as right-handed relievers in that back end go, it's looking a little bit light right now. But, yeah, maybe it is a little hard to see them going to him a third straight game. But they do have some questions back there right now uh, based on the, the usage and the effectiveness of some of those guys. Alex Weiner, he's our lead Diamondbacks writer with us at Arizona Sports. Be sure to follow him again on Twitter at Alex J. Weiner and keep post with all the content that's churning out on Arizona Sports. Alex is doing a fantastic job, and he deserves your love. Alex, thanks so much for the time, okay? Yeah, thanks, guys. Off the chase. Yeah, better get to the ballpark. (laughs) Alex Weiner joining us here on the Arizona Sports line here on Arizona Sports. Arizona Sports. Breaking news. Yeah, sorry. I just saw this during our interview, but... What do we got? We're not going to talk any Cardinals today, I know, but I thought this was important to pass along. Okay. From Tom Pelissero of NFL Network. The Cardinals are activating safety Buda Baker from injured reserve, and he's expected to play Sunday against the Seahawks, per source. Wow. Okay, we kind of knew that the Kyler Murray Buda Baker thing was a, almost a package deal, right? Almost. It, like they were coming they back were around several together. times. They were eligible to practice together, is what I should say, because Kyler's still not activated yet. But interesting. This is a huge bring back for the Cardinals defense, is it not? Oh, I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, look at the struggles that they've had the last few weeks. With the secondary, Jamar Chase in the game that he had, three touchdowns over 100 and, what was it, 190 yards or whatever. Right. Uh, 15 catches, 19 targets, and then you face a receiver tandem last week with Puka Nakuo's come out of nowhere and Cooper Cup. Um, yeah, it's massive because the Cardinals have so little in their secondary. A lot of their better cornerbacks have left in recent years uh, with Jalen Thompson out last week. Yeah, it's been very difficult. Buda Baker is the heart and soul of the defense. I think he's really the most emotional leader in this entire uh, locker room. So, yeah, it's it's massive. It's completely I'm understating it. So, again, breaking news there from Tom Pelissero of NFL Network. The Cardinals are activating safety Buda Baker from injured reserve and he's expected to play Sunday against the Seahawks per source. Man, feeling really good about the Valley teams right now, especially with all this great news. we got Snakes Alive. Snakes Alive. So here's something I want to talk with you about if we're going to go slightly critical with this team. We hinted at it with Alex a bit. Any changes, maybe even drastic changes, you would consider for the lineup tonight? Hmm. Steve and I will discuss that next on Arizona Sports Saturday. And Steve on Arizona Sports Saturday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Snakes alive. 
baby. Thanks so much for joining us on Arizona Sports Saturday as we are talking Diamondbacks baseball. Snakes alive. A sold-out game five at Chase Field tonight. The roof will be closed because, you know what, why why try to fix something that's Why not ruin a good thing? <laughs> uh, in tonight's game, they will face Zach Wheeler. They struggled mightily against Wheeler in game one in Philadelphia. Here's the question I propose to you. What changes can or should the Diamondbacks make going into tonight's game to counter that? Chief among them, I would think, that we can discuss is including more lefties. Alec Thomas makes all the sense in the world. He had the big home run last night. Um, He's certainly feeling a level of confidence, I'm sure, today. He's going to work his way back into the lineup. That probably takes Rivera back out. Sets up for either Emmanuel Rivera takes a seat or Evan Longoria takes a seat. That feels like an obvious choice. And then there's Paven Smith, who's three for four in the postseason. He's played in the last two games, and he's come up huge. In his first three postseason at-bats, he got singles in all three of them. He's getting on base effectively. Do you try to work another lefty into the lineup like Paven Smith, who's had some really good patient at-bats in the postseason? I know it's a small sample size, but he's got more going for him right now than some of the righties you've got in your lineup. Would you consider benching anybody in the lineup currently for Paven Smith? Well, if I were to start with someone that would not get me um, ostracized, is that the word that I want to use? Like you don't want to be criticized? Yeah. I will criticize. I mean, look, I'm going to get criticized anyway. (laughs) But I mean, if I'm going to, I don't want to say a name that, to start this conversation at least, I don't want to say a name that's resultingly going to get me like thrown off the air. I have a feeling I know what you're talking about. So, no, no, no. I'm going to start with Tommy Pham. Okay. As a suggestion of a take a seat for today candidate because what you get now is if you move Paven in, who's by the way, three for four in this series and yeah, they're all soft singles, but they are singles. They are production. They are hits. However you want to look at them. Tommy fam has one hit in this entire series and he's, I think he's one for 13 was hitting in the three hole. Now he's hitting in the five hole and he just, he hasn't had that same spark like he had when he had the four-hit game against the Dodgers back in Game 1. Granted, everybody was hitting in that Game 1 against the Dodgers, but it's gone very sharp downhill for Tommy since that game. And I just think maybe he needs a break. He's still coming back from a turf toe injury. He's getting a couple of reps in the outfield, and he's looking a little bit slower than we're used to seeing Tommy. I think a day off wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. And then... You set yourself up in a situation where you have a strong veteran that you can call off first off the bench. That's the thing. See, you said day off. I don't view it as a day off. I view it as a benching. And that's not necessarily a bad thing because Tommy Pham is the level of character, has the level of leadership at this point in his career that I think he can understand. Listen, you're cold. He's hot. We got to make the switch. And when it comes time in the fifth, sixth, seventh inning, when inevitably the Phillies are going to throw a lefty at you at some point, we're going to need you. We're going to need you to come into the game later and provide a spark. Yes. This is not us telling you you are not playing tonight. This is us telling you that you're not starting tonight, but we're going to need you at some point. And I don't think there's a player in the lineup who's better equipped to handle that message than Tommy Pham. 
and he just happens to be one of the 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 weakest hitters in their lineup in this particular series. One for 13, no runs scored, hasn't driven anybody in. And when you're weighing down the lineup in the three hole, as he was early in the series, or in the five hole in the last couple of games, plus he's been playing DH primarily. If you're working Paven Smith into the game, a guy who's below average defensively in the outfield, I certainly don't want him in the outfield. No. And I don't want to substitute him out for Christian Walker because of his great uh, defensive abilities and obviously a great offensive player. Um, I think Tommy Pham makes all the sense in the world if you're going to make a change. Let's talk about Walker for a second. Hold on, hold on. I do want to give one bit of credit to Tommy because it's deserved. If he doesn't get a hit in Game 3, the Diamondbacks don't tie that game. That's the single to right field? Because without that hit, he doesn't get pinch ran for by Alec Thomas. And Gurriel doesn't drive a ball into the gap that allows Thomas to score. So I will give Tommy credit where credit is due. Sure. And like we mentioned, he had a four-hit game against the Dodgers in Game 1. He's been a pivotal part of the success of this team. It's just not clicking right now. So they need to give him the opportunity to get better. I think I'd make that switch. It's it's hard to sell me on the switching out Christian Walker. I know you pitched this to me yesterday. Do you, do you bench Walker for Game 5? and play Pavin in his place. And I understand that it would probably be the same approach, right? You would play Pavin at the start of the game. Walker would come in maybe even sooner rather than later. Maybe you only give Pavin one at-bat or two mm-hmm. at-bats against Wheeler, depending on how the game goes. Right. Um, but I just can't justify sitting one of your best offensive players. Christian Walker has two straight seasons of 35-plus home runs and 90-plus RBIs. He, cr- he surpassed 100 this year. Yeah. It was He's, a goal of his. He is your power hitter. He is... And I know that's not coming to fruition here in this series, but I just can't justify at this point in the playoffs, in Game 5, at home, of the NLCS of all times, to bench one of your top three hitters. And he is one of their top three hitters. I just can't. I can't do it. And I think that the Tommy Pham switch makes so much more sense to me that I'm not even considering benching Christian Walker. Here's what I think is helping Walker. And I don't know how heavily I'm leaning to the idea of benching Walker as well because we're starting to run out of bats that are available. Remember, they went with an extra pitcher this series. Jace Peterson's not up on the active roster for them right now. Here's where here's where Walker gets the benefit of the doubt. He still works the count. Not all of his at-bats have not all of his at-bats have been perfect, but he still has four walks in this series. One of those walks was an RBI because he was, <laughs> yeah. was with the bases loaded. He got on base on a bad throwing error by Alec Bohm last night, and that led to the game's first run. He scored two runs in the series. So credit, contributing. So like credit to Walker because it's not like he's it's a quiet one for thirteen in this series. He is still making the most of his abs. It's just becoming it's it becomes magnified when in game one you score three and in game two you score zero, and then in game three you score two. That's that's what I'm trying to get at is that your best power hitter now has a massive magnifying glass on him because outside of last night, this team has very much struggled to score runs this series. It just feels like a matter of time before he hits a ball the way he did in the inning. Remember in the inning when they hit four home runs in a row and Christian Walker's home run was different than everybody else's. That was a line drive. I don't know if it got above 30 feet and it left the ballpark at 113 miles an hour. That's what he brings to your lineup. It's almost like the Kyle Schwarber effect. Yeah. Where, yeah, maybe the batting average isn't ideal, but when he gets a hold of one, he's going to get a hold of all of it. 
and he's got a chance to leave the yard at any time. That's something I still want in the lineup tonight, despite his struggles so far against the Phillies. I, I just I can't bench him, and I think that the only person I'm really trying to work in the lineup is Smith, and I think doing it for fam makes sense. Alex made a point, too, that Walker's final A-B was like a 97-mile-an-hour line-out. He's still hitting the ball hard. He's still approaching well, but it's just not coming to fruition right now. Can I mention one more name that I'm curious if we'll even get a lick of him this series? Jordan Lawler. He's here. When would you have used him? Well, it seems like he's an option for a platoon against a lefty, but he would come in to replace Perdomo, right? Or he'd come in to replace Marte. And you're obviously not replacing Marte. Marte has a hit in every game this series. I don't know that you're replacing Perdomo because he's kind of a pivotal part at that bottom of the order spot. I think the most obvious spot I could have worked him in was game three at the end of the game when there was an out at home plate and Pavin Smith didn't go to third. He was stuck at second base. And I thought at that point, with Pavin being the DH in that lineup, you could have replaced him with Lawler to get him to third base more effectively and to enable you to have the fastest guy on your team not named Corbin Carroll at third base with a chance for a sack fly at the end right. of the game. I thought they could have pulled Pavin. Pavin ends up scoring the game winner, so I'm, I'm totally cool with how it worked out. Yes, It's just with the frustration of Pavin not going to third and obviously Lawler's much faster, that would have been the ideal place to get him in. It's just not an at-bat, right? It's, it's just different. Um, coming up, let's do this. Let's talk about some of the guys who have performed in the biggest moments and the fact that they're all 23 years old. How are they living up to the bright lights? Do they just not see the bright lights? Steve Zinsmeister and Mitch Vereldis with you on Arizona Sports Saturday.